What you're about to listen to was originally broadcast on 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia. For details, go to the website 98five.com. On 98.5 weekdays with Mike and a very good morning and welcome to the studio, Adrian Munro, CEO of Richmond Wellbeing. Good morning, great to be here, Mike. It is nice to have you back in. Um, you've, you've had a busy week, I briefly spoke off air, it's been a busy week for you. Oh yeah, it's always a busy week when you're caring for people in the community and we know that mental health is such a significant need, it's always, always busy, we're never looking for things to do in the mental health sector and same as everyone in healthcare is really really busy at the moment well we're going to talk about that we'll just we'll come back after this and we're going to be chatting about COVID fatigue today oh Adrian um question without notice your your thoughts on the on the budget I'm just I was just realizing from a a mental health yes what you do what are your thoughts well look look, I know we don't usually get political but I'm happy to be um Look, obviously seems very focused on the election. I guess I look at things very much from healthcare and especially mental health and I don't see a lot of investment at all in mental health. I look at, from the state and government perspective, um, we've got a Mental Health Commission 10-year plan that the current government has not funded, mm. even though they approved it when it was you know, went through Parliament. Um, mental health is not invested in. We see more and more issues with mental health in the community yet um, and and people think our funding's really in many senses sometimes going backwards in some areas because it's not increasing at the rate of the the budget so Mm. um, we need to see lots of investment in services to support people in the community so residential services where people need extra support but then also people living in the community who need four to eight hours a week of support to help them contribute and live the life that they're capable of. Mm. But the biggest one also where we need way more investment is young people and yeah. early intervention and prevention. We need we need to support people before they need these really intensive services. And that's probably the most disappointing thing for me from the state and federal perspective. Mm. And I know that our state government announced um, a really big increase in services for young people, but... A lot of a lot of this is kind of ten years behind. If you look at the detail and the modelling and the investment, we're ten years behind in this. And you you speak to a parent of a teenager who is experiencing mental distress. I cannot find a parent who says, "You know what? We we got all the help we needed right when we needed it, and and everything was sorted out, and it was really easy to navigate the system." I get contacted on a weekly basis by parents who say, "I've got a sixteen-year-old who's experiencing mental distress." I've got, there's a six-month wait list or however long wait list and no. I, I don't know how to navigate the system. I've went to a GP. I've got a referral to here. This is so complicated and it's complicated for me and I work in the sector. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's really complex to navigate but we just need more funding and more services. If a young person is experiencing mental distress, we should be able to give them the services they need right there and then, not waiting six months because we know that another six months makes it even harder and then they're obviously at risk for that period of time. Need to get in early. Um, so, gee, just on that, flowing on from that, yeah. I guess it's it's. So, I mean, you're seeing this every day. We mm. COVID, COVID fatigue. I mean, I think I bump into people every day that they're just feeling it. They're just feeling, exactly. and it's even hard to articulate mm. how people are feeling. I would imagine you're seeing this uh, every day in the in the work that you Absolutely. do. Absolutely, yeah. So. It, and I think when we talk about COVID fatigue, some people think, oh, that's just some made-up sort of term. Well, you, know, you can call it whatever term you want, but mm. people are being impacted from two years yeah. of this uncertainty. And people will turn around and say, well, in WA, we've had it really good. Yeah, we might have, but 
there's been this constant stress. People have been, yep. every time Mark McGowan is making an announcement, oh, hold on, are we going to lockdown? Exactly. What's going to happen? Yeah. And a lot of people have been a long period of time without a holiday out of the state. But most importantly, a lot of people, and yeah, we're a very multi- multicultural society in Perth, um, lots of people with family and friends overseas that haven't been able to see them. So we've had two years of extra stress, extra pressure, lockdowns, um, wearing masks, not seeing family and friends. So it is absolutely real. People are getting quite worn out. The staff shortages we've had across the state as well, especially in healthcare. I know, look, I know it's impacting every sector, but I know it's impacting hospitals and every form of healthcare and social services in our community. And st- our staff are fantastic. They go above and beyond every day. Mm. But there's only so long you can say, oh, okay, we're a staff member or two down today. Can someone cover a bit longer? Can you do a double shift? Can you do an extra shift this week? That you can do that for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Yeah. This is this is going on a long time, so it's really having an impact. And the, I call it COVID fatigue. People call it all sorts of things, but it is real. It is impacting people, and it is widespread in our community. We've got talking about COVID COVID fatigue. Adrian, do we get a bit embarrassed even about you know if we are sort of feeling a bit overwhelmed or a bit heavy and mm. really can't articulate it? Are we too embarrassed even to sort of mention that you know I'm not, not feeling the best? Yeah, so looking around, everyone else is doing okay. Yeah, humans are complex. We are very complex (laughs) people. And we don't like to admit weakness often. Mm. And what we're also really, really good at is catastrophizing things in our minds. So making things seem a lot worse than what they are. And with mental health, what we do, what our minds are really effective at doing is saying, everybody else around me is doing fine. I'm, I'm not doing well. But I'm the only one who's feeling this way. Is it just me? Yeah. And that happens, we know that happens with people who experience anxiety and depression because mm. they see everybody else who, you know, we're really good at putting up a front and, and not disclosing them what we're not doing well. And we're not good at putting our hand up and saying, you know what, I need help. I'm not doing well. Because when we put our hand up and say to people, look, I'm not doing well, I need help. Yeah. What that it does two things. For you, it means that you can get support. You can talk to someone about it. But then for the other person who may also be struggling, it makes them think, hold on, I'm not alone. I'm actually not the only person. Because if you're the only person going through life thinking that you're experiencing COVID fatigue or anxiety and depression, that's a really lonely place. And also it makes you think, in inverted commas, what's wrong with me? And there's actually nothing wrong with you. In many instances, you know, it's it's a human experience. And now sometimes, as we've said before, sometimes people do need to go to their GP. But it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you, inverted commas. Um, you may be having a, a perfectly you know, everyday response to what you're going through. So if I look at COVID fatigue, I think that that is a totally understandable and proportionate human response to what we've been through. So if people are listening today thinking, man, I'm just so exhausted from this. I'm just so Mm. worn out from this. I'm just so over it. You are not alone. You are not a weak person. It's not that you're lacking resilience. The fact that it's taken this long to reach this point says you're a very resilient person. So that's what I'd be saying to the family listening today is you are not alone. So many people are going, I I, I don't know who's not saying that they're worn out and exhausted by all this. We're in this together. And what you're experiencing is a totally predictable, proportionate human response. You are human. That's why you're feeling fatigued. Don't go hard on yourself and everyone's feeling it. Mm. Look, love to talk to you today. Uh, Give us a call, 9313-0985, chatting about COVID fatigue. We're all tired of it. I'm I'm sick of the masks. Oh, so tired Honestly, of it. Honestly, sick of putting that on and off. 
I'm sick of scanning in everywhere. Yeah. Which we just wanted to stop. People are sick of taking rat tests. I know oh. some people, I've had to give one of my kids a yeah. you know, rat test, you know, two of the last three days and he doesn't like it. Yeah. The first time was fine because he didn't know what was coming. The second yeah, okay. time, it was like, oh, hold on. Uh, good morning, Andrew from Cannington. You got a question or a comment today? Yeah, so I'm um, probably one for Adrian. So I, I also am in healthcare. I'm um, running therapy, uh, and you know, from a, I guess from a therapy perspective, you're in level two PPE. You've got your respirator and face shield and everything. Um, it's exhausting, and I was just wondering what your perspective on what governments can do to support healthcare workers a bit better during these times. Yeah, great question. Great so question. the longer term is we, we we have a really severe skill shortage in Australia and we need to get more workers. We've got lots of people coming through the universities, but we've been quite dependent on people migrating, especially from Europe. So we need to work out how we can develop and, and, and attract more people to healthcare. In the short term, there is no quick fix. And look, my wife is a nurse. She works at the hospital wearing PPE. A lot of the staff at Richmond are you know, wearing lots of PPE. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. I think back over the last couple of years, when COVID first came, there's been lots of support for businesses and small businesses as it needs to be, but lots in construction industry and you know it's very expensive to build a house at the moment because there's been so much investment there and apprentices. What if we said to the nurses and the people like Andrew calling in who are doing it tough, wearing the PPE, what if we said, look, we're going to give you a $100 voucher, take your family out for dinner on the weekend? Um, these sorts of incentives mean... Cause they have to wear PPE. We need the healthcare staff more than ever. What about some other? What about some investment from the government to provide that to people and say, look, here's a bit of time, or give them a bit of extra when this is finished. Give them another week's annual leave to say, look, you went over and above. Here's another week of annual leave to go on holiday with your family. Um, but some other incentives, um, you know, some vouchers for going out for dinner and things would help. I think. Andrew, is leave appealing? Extra leave? Um. Look, yeah. So. One thing I've been thinking is the companies, the individual companies I work for are fantastic. and But it's nearly just coming off their own back, all this extra staff support. It's like the, the government says, we need you guys as healthcare workers to support the wide community, and then we'll leave your company to support you. So I, I think that kind of government funding for a leave or anything would be great. Yeah, I think the pandemic leave. So we've provided additional leave for people at Richmond, which yeah. is not funded by the government. And I know the government's invested in lots of other areas, but I totally agree with Andrew. For for staff, I mean, we, we've got people who are you know, in, in hospitals and everywhere in healthcare yeah. and social services who are supporting people with PPA, with, with, with COVID. So they should be provided. I think the government should be paying for additional COVID leave for people who are in roles who have to treat or support people who are COVID positive because... They need support. It's not an easy one, though, is it, Adrian? All of a sudden, you give give staff extra leave, and then you have to backfill that. So mm. it becomes a bit of a... Well, yeah, I think it'll be down the track for people when yeah, we're through this. I, but, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is the challenge we're balancing, is that people are exhausted. I mean, people need to take leave to you know, rejuvenate mm. and refresh. Mm. So it's Good call, Andrew, uh, from Cannington. Really appreciate your call today. Uh, Adrian, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up. You're yep. on 98.5. On 98.5 Weekdays with Mike, Adrian Munro has been with me. We've been chatting about COVID fatigue. We're all tired of it. We want the masks to go, Adrian. Mm. We want the check-ins to stop and all that. Absolutely. And I wish I had a solution for that, but um, yeah. I'm not Mark McGowan. So, However, but what have you got some tips you can yeah. share with So there stuff? are things we can do. I guess, yeah. As we said in the second segment, the first thing is saying, just realising this is a perfectly reasonable human response. Mm. You're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. This is normal. We're all feeling COVID fatigue because it's two years of this now. So 
Don't be hard on yourself. Cut yourself some slack. Go easy on yourself. But then balance it also by keeping the routines in your life that you know promote really good mental health. So keep doing the exercise that you're doing. Keep eating well. Keep seeing your your social groups and your friends. And I know it's hard because, you know, my junior basketball was cancelled two weeks in a row for one of my kids because of COVID, no, no kids to play. So I know it's having an impact. But... We really need to try and keep the structures in our life that are promoting good mental health. And that's around getting out there, community connection, exercise, and being healthy. And everyone knows what they are for them as an individual, but that's where you need to really maintain those as best we can because they're great protective mechanisms. So good. Adrian, really appreciate you coming in today. And we'll catch up next time. Look forward to it. My guest in the studio this morning has been Adrian Munro, the CEO of Richmond Wellbeing. You are on 98.5. This is Weekdays with Mike. For more details on this and other programs, contact 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia, or visit the website 98five.com.